What's the password? Hmm. Welcome to the Game Master Speakeasy. Brought to you by the record button. Hello, and welcome to the GM Speakeasy. You have found your way here, and even though it's not, uh, tabletop games are not under any sort of prohibition, I want you to come in and pull up a seat in this roof. The hearth is burning loudly, and you can join us for drink and talk as we discuss basically my favorite thing on the goddamn planet, uh, tabletop games. I am your host, Cody, joined by my compatriot and friend. Hi, I'm Lance. It's Lance, everybody. A round of applause for Lance. He made it. Yay. <laughs> uh, so how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing good. All how right. about you? I'm doing particularly well. Uh, it's a very nice fall afternoon. The weather is fantastic. And there are things to be talked about that involve tabletop RPGs. Uh, starting off... Uh, for those just joining us, if you've managed to miss episode one and are now jumping right into episode two, we are a couple of dudes, like many others, who have a passion for tabletop games, and particularly we are both dungeon masters, or game masters as the broad term is described. We're nerds. We're nerds, turns just, out. I mean, just, we're just nerds. We're, we're, we're uh, nerds gone analog. <laughs> does that make us... Uh, does just, that... It's, just, it's just called two nerds. It's just called two nerds. Uh <laughs> And we are here to talk to each other and you about... Well, talk to each other and talk at you about tabletop games. And uh, we encourage you to stick around, hang out, give it a chance, and hopefully uh, have some... Maybe you'll have some feedback for us in the future. We want to take questions from the audience. But today we're going to start off with a couple pieces of news that I have discovered. And I want to, I want to preface this and say that it might not be news to you. But it's news to me, and it might be news to somebody else. It might not be new news. <laughs> yeah, it might, especially because we don't know for sure when these episodes are going to go out. That's, but that's, that's true. We don't want to date ourselves by saying exactly what and when, but uh, recently, I don't know if you knew this, did you know that there is now uh, the people at Paizo, the workers, have formed a union? I did hear about that. Okay. What do you know about it? Um, as far as I'm aware, Paizo management's been fairly receptive to it. Yes. Uh, it was like, I think I saw a post on reddit talking about how they were the workers had done i think it was october 14th when they first announced that they were going to form a union and like within a week paizo was like yeah we recognize we're gonna recognize Mm -hmm. the union so which is pretty cool yeah i mean it's it's good that it's not going to cause a lot of infighting the employees are going to have a little more representation and honestly more important to me the games are still going to come out (laughs) that's right i uh, my understanding is that the the freelancers because uh i don't paizo uh, relies a lot on a bunch of freelancers mm-hmm. to do a lot of their uh, work as well and um, some of the freelancers allegedly were also in support of them you know mm-hmm. for not submitting their work or saying hey we're not going to keep working on this until you recognize the union which has been recognized and the workers of paizo were this is this is i thought this is pretty cool but this is a personal thing uh they were aided in the forming of their union by the communication workers of america which is a family i come from my dad was a part of that union. That I didn't know, but I, didn't they do some... Didn't they take one of the logos from one of their... Uh, it was probably one of the Pathfinder 1, or Pathfinder 1 modules. Did where they? It was like, like a Cobalt Miners Union or something, and they used that as oh, the logo on their t-shirts, that's, I think. That's I where think. that comes... Yeah, I've seen it. No, it's, something it's like along a, those lines. Yeah, it was from a module from a... Uh, Pathfinder One, I think. That's I, I hilarious. We've, we've never played PF One, so I don't know. I don't know that module but exactly, yes, but I think their that's logo what is from. like a, a red hand yeah, holding a mining. It's pack. like a Cobalt's mining union is where they, <laughs> what they took for. So I, if nothing awesome. else, I was pretty delighted by that because I thought it was a neat little uh, 
kind of call back to their previous stuff. Yes. So, uh, congratulations to the workers at Paizo for getting their union going, and hopefully they will, you know, work out their negotiations smoothly, and we can keep getting more yeah, of the yeah. products. Keep, keep making for... stuff. We like your stuff. We, we, we like... Well, we're, we are not... So I just want to say that we are not being sponsored by Paizo. We just love their stuff. I mean, I'd be willing to be sponsored by Paizo. Paizo, give us free stuff. Anyway, <laughs> uh, some other pieces of news, uh, which are often me just stumbling upon RPGs that I didn't know existed. I knew of the existence of a Lord of the Rings tabletop RPG. I have never played it, never read it. And there is a second edition by a different company coming okay. out. I mean, I, I guess I didn't... I didn't know of an existence of it, but I guess somewhere in the back of my head I presumed that there had been. I mean, you can't take a fantasy genre or a fantasy IP of that level of popularity and have somebody have not made an RPG out of it at some point. There, I think there's uh, there might even be older ones that I don't know about. I'm sure if I'm sure some uh, some well well some person who's in the know can probably. Uh, yell at me in the comment section about it but yeah. uh, as people are prone to do that's fine i can take it i got a tough outer shell and uh the one ring second edition is being published by free league does that ring a bell not off the top okay of does my forbidden head. lands ring a bell how about mutant year zero oh i yes. played i played the uh the video or, game mutant or Year's alien the alien rpg so free okay. free league has been crushing it there's another product people love uh, morkborg is another one, but the One Ring Second Edition, I think, according to their Kickstarter, the product is expected to come out soon, like November 2021. I just was on their shop, and you couldn't buy it yet, so mm. it's, I don't think it's out yet, but it's going to be out soon, and so you can expect me to uh, read through that rule book and tell you all about it. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> didn't you say, didn't you buy that Alien RPG? Um, yes, I okay. do have a copy of the Alien RPG, and you can run that game both as a long campaign narrative, or they have, like, different rules mm -hmm. in different parts of the book, to either run it as an ongoing campaign, or you can run a single one-shot to be more like a movie, where okay. you're pretty sure most of your characters aren't gonna live. <laughs> most of us are gonna... Because I don't know if you've ever okay. seen an Alien movie, Lance. Spoiler alert, a lot of people die in those movies. <laughs> and I, I'm a big Alien fan. However... Despite that, I've never played through uh, Alien Isolation, so I, I feel I like either. I'm shooting myself in the foot yeah, in, in the I, same I've sense. I've probably got it on two or three different platforms, I just haven't actually gotten around to playing it. So what happened was uh, I promised Dan that I would stream it oh. on, a, on my first playthrough, and I just don't have, like, the setup for mm -hmm. that, and have been lazy and trying to figure out how to, <laughs> how to get a stream going. So it's that's kind of how I've crippled myself into not playing Alien Isolation, because I can't break that promise. Yeah. Because I am... I am not good with horror games. Well, I, I tend to I tend to do a little more poorly in the ones where you don't really have the means to defend yourself. Oh yeah, against a, 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 a biological killing machine. Well, against anything, like any of those games where it's like, yeah, we're gonna put you in this situation and uh, we're giving you no weapons, no means to defend yourself. You're just gonna run and hide a lot. Oh yeah. All right, so uh, that's a, that's an important piece of news. The One Ring Second Edition. It does take place like thirty years before Frodo. Like okay. before this, it's uh, it's it's so in like between, between the, the Hobbit. Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Okay. It is in the it is in the Third Age, so no Morgoth or anything like that for those that are in there. Sauron's rising is still the main shtick. But uh, the last piece of news, the, the reason I was talking to you, asking you guys about Shadow of the Colossus before we started, is I stumbled upon another Kickstarter today called Relic. It is a Indie game kickstarted right now by a group calling themselves Bandit Camp, which I thought was a pretty pretty fun name <laughs> for a publishing, name. for a, a tabletop games publisher. But uh, 
I have a, I love the artwork for it. It's very vibrant and colorful, but I have a direct quote of many of my favorite things. They talk about what you can expect from this tabletop RPG. Uh, you can imagine, this is the direct quote right here, you can imagine Relic as the gameplay found in Shadow of the Colossus and Monster Hunter meets the mystery, wonder, and exploration of Princess Mononoke, Breath of the Wild, and Moana. I like most of those things, if not all of them. I watched Moana with Dan because we are men in our 30s who like animation. So that's right. <laughs> and I think we talked about that last time. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about it. But uh, so I'm I'm expect I'm actually curious uh, about that last little tidbit. That must mean they have like decent sailing mechanics or something that's in their game. Never a bad idea. A lot of um, games just don't do that, and some of them that do don't do it well. But they they tout you banding together to fight these just titans, these massive creatures, and they have with the release of their core rulebook will have one setting, but then they're also releasing two alternate settings See, at the same time i i love this idea because there is very little that that really gets more into the power fantasy of a tabletop game than being able to take down a literal giant oh yeah like yeah. especially if you're building mechanics to kind of get into what shadow of the colossus does where there's actual climbing mechanics to get up on the monsters and stuff like that because that's something Knocking that parts off like well, monster hunter because that's something that kind of lacks when you start talking about bigger monsters in dungeons and dragons and pathfinder it's you just kind of, you walk up and you just hack. You, whether, whether you're hacking at the big toe or whatever, at the end of the day, you just walk up, you got to be next to its face, and you're hacking away. There's not a lot of built-in mechanics for scaling a giant while he's flailing around trying to attack your friends and, like, shanking him in the eye. Yeah, I would say that is actually one of the, albeit minor pitfalls, of, like, HP systems. Mm -hmm. Right? Because that's, that's, it's the same with your character, you know? It, a barbarian at 20th level is a sack of hit points. And, <laughs> and your hit points don't matter until you have none of them. Yeah, exactly. Right? But that's a that's a whole that's a whole thing we can do. We get a whole episode on the difference <laughs> between wound systems and HP and stamina and stuff like that. Absolutely. So uh, I don't know if you do. You, I don't have any other news. Um, why don't you tell me what you did recently that is well, tabletop related? It has been a little bit of a dry spell, uh, predominantly because I have been out of town um, the last couple of weeks. That's on true. And off. You've been on vacay. Yeah. So I haven't you, been you've around. You've had one like vacay and then a second vacay. Right? Yeah, I mean, sort of. I helped a buddy move halfway across the country. I don't know if it was vacation. I was mostly driving a moving truck the entire time, but uh, Road I, trip. Wasn't, I wasn't around. Yeah. Um, That's why we didn't get to play this last yeah, week. Yeah, but we did do, I think between the last recording and this one, we did do one session of Lancer, did we not? Did we do Pathfinder session one or two? Uh, we, we played uh, one right after the other that week, so that would That's have been right, yeah, okay, so... Not we, this last Tuesday, but two Tuesdays yeah, so ago we, was we, Pathfinder, and then Lancer was Wednesday. Yeah, we had our Pathfinder session. Which was our first session of actual... Oh, yeah, yeah, because we had, uh, we had a couple of the party members get drugged and locked in jail, and the rest of us were sneaking around the greenhouse, and... Oh, you're talking, yeah, you're talking about Pathfinder. Path, yeah, Pathfinder, yeah, Pathfinder right Island. So, yeah, in Path... Yeah, tell, tell me, I want to hear about Bog's experience, first of all. Now that we're getting into our ongoing Pathfinder game, tell us who Bog is. Okay. In our current Pathfinder game, which is not set on Galarian, which is the set the the Paizo setting. Mm, this, it's this set is my your, own your homebrew, custom homebrew, my setting. homebrew world. But yes, a lot of the ancestry stereotypes carry over just fine. Yeah. So tell us about Bog. All right. So my my current Pathfinder character is a uh, goblin thief rogue named Bog. He's an idiot. <laughs> He's an idiot, but he's super fun to play, and he's actually pretty adept in combat, but he, um, he's very witty in the sense that, that he's always got something to say to somebody about something. 
he's honestly, uh, out of all the characters you ever played, many of them are just real grim, dark. I do. I, I play a lot of edgelord characters for some reason, <laughs> yeah. and Bog is absolutely the antithesis of that. Yeah, we've, we've got Roland, we've got Space Roland, we've got... <laughs> We've gotten Mercenary Roland 2.0, but now you've played Bog, you're doing a funny voice, which is always amusing, and you're thinking differently. I yeah, think. well, I, I mean, Bog is, I, I hate to, I don't want to call him an expendable character, because I would, I would be absolutely miserable if I lost him, but which, I, which is, in order for me to roleplay him correctly, I have to roleplay him as if I don't care as much about, as much about his survival as I do for some of my other characters, because he just doesn't have that level of, like, Self-preservation and tactical thought. You yeah, know, that's you know, true. My, my 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 or my my warlock in uh, in five e was a very tactical thinker. Everything he yes. did. Yes, Aram. Aram is... was a very three moves ahead kind of guy. Bog is like a two moves behind kind of guy. He's not planning for anything. And that's actually part of today's main topic is five e and Pathfinder. Yeah. True. Uh, so we can talk about Aram a little bit later because that's the guy you've experienced the most in five e. But uh, so what happened uh, to Bog in this last um, session? That we played. Hey, Bog didn't do too bad that last session. He was, uh... There was a lot of hijinks. Yeah, there was a lot of hijinks. We Breaking ended into up, the greenhouse. Yeah, we, we, we ended up, in the, the previous session, we, we were on this, uh, we were on, like, a pirate campaign, and we kind of ended up on this island, um, and on the island there's a magic academy there, so... It's an academy that also has magical classes. Yeah, Bog wouldn't know the difference. That's true. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> you summed it up. Um, and so we're there, and we find out there's some hijinks going on, or at least we suspect there's some hijinks going on. There's some cloak and dagger bullcrap. Mm -hmm. And as is very typical in our group and very ill-advised in, in tabletop gaming, we separated the party. Um, Rule one is meant to be broken. Yeah, no, well, I mean, the, the hijinks that ensue almost always make it worthwhile from a fun perspective. But it's just a really easy way to get killed. So we had a couple of our... We had our, our monk and our barbarian. They kind of went off on their own, got themselves in some trouble, and ended up drugged and put in a prison cell underneath the... Um, in, the in the bowels. Of, yeah, some of, secret bowels below the library. There's like a series of tunnels or something yeah. underneath this, this university, this college. And underneath the library, there's something going on. Weird cultist-looking people. We haven't entirely gotten to the bottom of it. I'm looking forward to getting to the bottom of it. Yeah, that'll be the uh, that'll be the uh, start of the next session this yeah. next Tuesday. And then our bard, who apparently has no stealth skills at all, thought it would be funny to no, it wasn't it was the bard that was uh, the alchemist. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they were they were they were the ones that both started this. Yeah, we're trying to medic. sneak. And neither of them are particularly good at it. And for some reason, they didn't immediately go get the rogue to do it for them. Because that's one of the things Bog's actually good at. <laughs> and, um, In true fashion, your plan did not survive contact with the enemy. It never does. The fecal matter hit the proverbial spinny thing. It, it did. Um, but we ended up... We recruited some that guardian of nature that was running the... Uh, yeah, the spider lady. Spider lady, that's right. That was creepy. She's a lady that's part spider. Yeah, or is she? Or is she a spider? Is she half spider, half lady, half? I don't know. I mean, I I thought she was a witch, and you know how Bog feels about witches. Bog, oh Bog yeah, a, I don't like witches. <laughs> That's gonna be my favorite thing to exploit about Bog is his <laughs> his deathly fear of his, witches. Yeah, his, he doesn't understand witches. He thinks he knows what they are, and he's horrified of them. Yeah, and it, so like that started out I, as a 
joke in like the like bog 1.0 from one yeah, of our previous the, do- the bog who did die in, yeah, Jer- in, uh, in right. our buddy's game plague stone yeah. oh the yes worst. The, the adventure path because that was that was i believe the first adventure path paizo wrote yeah for, and they didn't quite that thing is so over they didn't quite catch the math yet yeah and it's very it's it's pretty deadly i i often see posts on the pathfinder 2e subreddit saying hey is uh, is Age of Ashes? Is Age of Ashes just really difficult? And I see that I think like every other week. Yeah, it's. I mean, you shouldn't be shouldn't be shoveling persistent damage at your characters at that early a level. Disclaimer: I was a player in that game, not running it. No, I, I'm not blaming. I'm, I, when I say you shouldn't, yeah, oh, be, they, what they I mean don't. is, as a GM, generally yeah. speaking, they don't know that you should not be hucking persistent damage at level one characters. Ooh, that's so. That's a thing we can talk about. Persistent. Oh yeah, persistent my damage. least favorite part of the Pathfinder system: yeah, the is. fact that even when you're dying, your persistent damage just murders you faster. Oh yes. I mean, well, it makes sense. It's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, heck, you know, the only things I did this last week for tabletop things was uh, continue to flesh out that campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided I had time because you guys did not have time to engage in that combat, which I honestly wasn't expecting to get that you guys would get to in such a fashion. Where uh, two of your guy, two of your party members are locked in a cell right now behind I... bars and weaponless, which is not a problem for Hung because he's a monk. I, I can get them out of there in one turn, I think. As as long as as long as well, because it, it's two it's two actions to lockpick, and as long as my movement will get me to the door in one action, I should be able to technically get them out of there in one turn. You could maybe. I mean, it depends on the distance. I don't know exactly how far I am from the cage. Yeah, but. You know, we'll see. <laughs> all right, so uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's all. Heck, did, that's all I did. We did a little bit of Lancer that week too. That's true. We did play Lancer. Started a new Lancer campaign, um, this one to be a little more permanent than our test run last time. Correct, and this um, is just with four people. So yeah, it's we, be... it's, we, we dialed down the number of players, predominantly because it's a new system, it's a little bit slow, and we're taking some time to adjust to to the new the new rule set. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, I got to resurrect one of my old Shadowrun characters as a mech pilot and Lancer instead of a Shadowrunner. So now that you've played both like a test session of Lancer and the, through the first session, how do you feel about it as a system? I like it. I do. But I mean, I, I tend to fall into that category of people who I, I like it when the combat system is very gamey and kind of technical. Oh, yeah. Um, because in my head, I can kind of separate the role playing section from the combat section to enough of a degree that that because honestly the the which it it does that it does that very it's very clear in the lancer group that it's like oh here's narrative mm -hmm. play and here is mech combat yeah those you only roll well you don't even roll initiative you only have an initiative order in mech combat yeah everything else is handled simple roll and target number system i want to beat this guy up okay roll you either succeeded or you didn't if you didn't you probably took damage if you did he's probably out cold and speaking of that system, which uh, I should point out, now that I have read through at least the intro to all three of them, I now understand that Shadow of the Demon Lord uh, came first, and that is, you know, we talked about Asunder last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is obviously using the Shadow of the Demon Lord system, but then you look at Lancer, and it has four attributes. The target numbers are very similar. You roll a d20 and d6s for accuracy and difficulty, like boons and banes. It's very much inspired by Shadow of the Demon Lord. Was it the same company that made all of them? No. Okay. No, no. So it's it's kind of like an open open gaming license okay. kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, where 
Shadow of the Demon Lord came out, and then someone else made Asunder, and mm-hmm. then obviously, and then uh, the guy who has a he has got a webcomic that I started reading. It's actually super badass. Called uh, Kill Six Billion Demons <laughs> is what it's called, and well, it's that, super, is, that is a goal. Yeah, you can uh, you can get uh, you can get actual I think trade paperbacks of it, okay. but or you can just go to the website. But the guy that authored that is the one who created the Lan- created Lancer as okay. well. Yeah, I like. I, I think the thing I like most about Lancer is it's not a fantasy setting. Mm, it's just right. it's nice to have a second game that scratches a different kind of itch. It's it, not yeah. because I don't love fantasy settings, but I mean we've we've done it where we've been running concurrent fantasy games in either like different settings. Or, oh yeah, you know what I mean. Different systems, different settings, and, and different so it GM. Is, it is kind of a nice change of pace to have a sci-fi setting in there. So you know, one day I'm playing fantasy, the next day that I'm I'm playing a sci-fi setting, and it kind of kind of scratches an itch. I tickles guess. both fancies. Exactly. All right. So uh, why don't you tell us what we're drinking today? Well, first of all, what are you drinking? We're, we're, it's going to be a uh, we're kind of boring today, huh? Yeah, I, I brought a little <laughs> bit of a local cocoa espresso milk stout with me. Uh-huh. Um, this is actually a very good beer for me to pick because I knew what I was getting into when I walked into it. I mean, I I've drank gallons if not you know like i've drank a lot of this beer in my life <laughs> yeah it's you, in my top three most favorites of all time one could say you like it mm. uh no but you brought you brought a six pack of this stout and i brought two different stouts we're just drinking stout today yep. <laughs> well got, you know in defense of it it's getting colder and winter is a better stout season it is you know it's a lot easier to drink like an unfiltered wheat beer in the summertime given given the current exact part of the year you think one of us might have had a cider yeah, I don't do ciders. <laughs> um, An Oktoberfest would have been an acceptable answer this time of year. Yeah, that's true. All right, so we are now going to jump into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. And uh, you want to you wanna summarize it, preface it a little? What are we talking about today, Lance? Let me crack another one real quick. There you go. Um, today... Crack, crack, op- crack open the open segment. Yeah. So, for the open segment, we are going to talk about our transition from um, 5e to Pathfinder. We'd kind of alluded to that at the uh, in the last episode, and we decided, mostly for time, that you know if we decided to get into this, we'd be running a two-hour episode, and I don't think any of you guys have time for that. So, um, Oh, God. <laughs> so, now we're going to talk about kind of our transition from 5th edition to Pathfinder. Um, do we want to start with kind of the first Pathfinder experience, or do you just want to roll right into what we were doing in 5e and then why we just switched over? I'm going to hedge our bets a little bit here. Okay. First, I'm going to say, every system has pros and cons to it, and I do have a deep enjoyment of 5e. I love it as a system, and we have many wonderful memories attached to it. No system is perfect, not even Pathfinder 2. It all has to do with the goals of your group. What's what's the experience you want? That's right? fair. I mean, and I, I, we touched on this last time too. The thing that I like most about Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons is it's a very low cost of entry system mm-hmm. as far as headspace. I mean, it's a very easy system to learn. Yeah, you know. for the players. Yeah. Well, I mean, even for the for the dungeon master too. I I stuff. have a I have an argument against that. Okay, actually. go ahead. I'd yeah, like to hear. So it. so let's go through. What are, so let's go. Let's start with pros. Tell me how t- you finish. Sorry for interrupting. Tell no, me all fine. your pros about five E. My biggest pro for five E is that it is a very simple system. There's and 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 this is this is kind of both a pro and a con, but it really depends on where you land on how much uh, 
how much brain power you want to dedicate to the to to tabletop gaming. And if you're doing it for something to relax, then I think five E is great because your class race combinations all come out relatively cookie cutter. I mean, you, there's there's only so much variation you can do. You're you've got a handful of races to pick from. You got twelve classes to pick from. Each of those classes, depending on how many splat books you have, is going to have a number of variants to them. But there's going to be certain core abilities throughout every class. Like, uh, all rogues are going to have a certain list of things. Yes. No matter what your your rogue subclass is, which would also give you a other list of things. But there's there's just like certain abilities all rogues get, and certain abilities all wizards get, and certain abilities all barbarians get. And so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that it's a simple system to wrap your head around. I think combat is fairly simple once you once you break through understanding the difference between like an action and a bonus action, which for some reason some people tend to struggle with quite a bit. Yes, it's actually uh, I think I think uh, bonus actions are actually something that they will probably change. That's going to be. You one think of the, that's going to be one of the new yeah. additions? Because for some people it just clicks right away, and well, then for some people it's like wait, so. If, if their class doesn't give them a bonus action, they're like, so what can I do as a bonus action? Oh, nothing. turns out it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Turns out you don't get to do well, anything. I know when I would design a character, I was always looking through different abilities and feats and spells and things like that, trying to figure out how I could always have a use for my primary action, my bonus action, and my reaction, just in case. Like, just mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that I had all those bases covered. Because, like you said, there's some classes that their limit, their abilities, their bonus action stuff is so limited or really virtually non-existent to, to such a degree, which that's something Pathfinder does a lot better with their three-action system, but we'll probably get to talking about that when we get into the pros of Pathfinder. The th well, yeah, that's I think that's one of the biggest pros of Pathfinder. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So now tell me tell me what you don't... I'll, actually, no, yeah, I'll do my... 5e uh, pros now so i like i like you said it is you said it's incredibly simple right is mm -hmm. that what i heard you say that yep i would say that it's incredibly simple as far as crunchy systems go because there are much simpler systems out there than 5e if you just want to play a generic like fantasy game you can pick up gurps or savage worlds and do a lot easier than 5e right because there mm -hmm. are there are still these interesting uh rules interactions that we would learn about in 5e, like, years after still mm -hmm. playing, right? Whereas in simpler systems don't have that. There's There are much lighter systems out there. Yeah. So I would, I would say, as far as things that qualify as having rules crunch, mm -hmm. it is among the simplest of them. That's, that's probably a fair statement. I think, I think anything too much simpler than 5e would probably bore me, because I do need a certain amount of oh, yeah. depth to it. <clears throat> so there is that uh, advantage is pretty simple you don't mm -hmm. have to track floating bonuses or penalties so rather than say oh I have a plus one from this I have a minus one from that it's just you either have disadvantage or you have yeah, advantage I, I think and no amount of one or the other uh, it's not like Lancer where if you have uh, three accuracy and two difficulty you have one accuracy mm -hmm. it's just if you have four sources of advantage and one source of disadvantage you just, you just have neither mm -hmm. right it's super easy uh for those who maybe have never played 5e advantage is a system where you just roll two d20s and take the higher result disadvantage being the opposite uh, another benefit of 5e is because it's so gosh dang popular there are tons and tons of online resources, third-party material, oh, yeah. homebrew mm -hmm. content. There is literally, like, I could I could fill up a thumb drive with all the stuff. I'll be honest, I, I don't know, at, at this point, you've added so much homebrew stuff to your 5th edition folder. Yeah. 
I'm not it, sure. As options. Yeah, right? as yeah. options. But I'm just saying, I'm not sure where your where fifth edition begins and where the homebrew starts. You know what I mean? Oh, or where yeah, fifth it's... edition ends and where the homebrew starts. Which is really a testament to how good a lot of the homebrew is. It's that it is is so seamlessly put together that you can squeak that right into a 5e campaign and you don't even know you changed anything. Yeah, there, a lot of the times you, you put in a new class that mm-hmm. scratches an itch that the core rulebook classes don't. Yep. and or, or, for example, the, uh, <laughs> the Four Elements Monk. Four Elements Monk, yeah. If you want, which, to, play, uh, if you want to play Avatar, uh, do yeah. that. Yeah, the Four Elements Monk, which, as book rules, a lot of people found lackluster. Or, uh, ever since the game came out in 2014, that's when, uh, that's when 5e was published, I believe. Ever since then, constantly, uh, people have been trying to reinvent the Ranger. Um, you know, it's funny, because you start, we start talking about that, and after you talked about the Four Elements Monk, the first thing I came to those was... Use something other than the book ranger. Nobody's happy with the book ranger. I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry, wizards, but nobody likes your book ranger. Okay. I, I know we haven't yes. we haven't played it since, but Tasha's uh, Tasha's cauldron. Uh, whenever that came uh-huh. out, that had more options. Did it? Okay. Yeah, it, well, it, it did change. Maybe may you guys fixed it. And if but, you did, thanks. And if you didn't, at least thanks for trying. But realistically, <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, you, like you gave the, it an effort. The book ranger years. in the five e core rules. I, I I will admit I've never played a ranger, so I can't attest to whether or not it's good or bad. But what I can tell you is that nobody liked the book ranger. It's it yeah it left a lot to be desired compared to other classes. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people you know a lot of people play it and they just enjoy it just fine. But well, I I think that I I felt it. You know when we first played I just felt like there was well, something. I think missing. I think a lot of people would just make fighter archers because it was just better. Yeah if you're, yeah that's I mean that's honestly true. If you're just trying yeah. to shoot a bow really good mm-hmm. for DPR yeah uh, then you just play a fighter. Um, and then the, you know, it, it involves a lot of, uh, buying into knowing what the, the book ranger does, uh, buying into what the campaign is going to be because it's like, oh, we're going to be fighting, uh, giants and elementals. You don't pick orcs as your favorite enemy, no. right? But, uh, so it's, it's, it involves some extra footwork to make sure that your stuff is going to be relevant yeah. with, with the normal book ranger. But that said, I've seen dozens of ranger homebrews. Some of them are really good. There's an there's actually a small subreddit called D and D Five E Community Ranger where people are just working together to, to build a better ranger. ranger. One of the one of the things the the one of the kind of third party materials the the kind of extra stuff that I really liked and this is because I very heavily leaned into playing a warlock as my first character. You did yes. And the the extra spell books are so good. Oh yeah. Oh like, like all, all the third party all the third party like spell materials. Yeah. So I mean, and, and not all, I don't know I don't know that I would say all of it is balanced, and you're definitely going to want your GM to look through it and give you permission to you use these things. Yes, but I mean, there is a lot of really good material in there to use. There is um, <laughs> another thing Fifth Edition does uh, really well is like you said for new players. So you've played Shadowrun, you've played Deadlands, mm-hmm. Lands, have you not? Yeah, uh, you yes. know that it's possible in some systems to come out of character creation and suck. Yes. Yeah, in five E, that's almost impossible. Yeah, if you, you even if you walk into five E knowing, having no idea what you're doing, the book will tell you what your class's core stat is. So unless you punt your core stat, which is at that point it's your own fault. I mean, let's be realistic. If the book says, "Hey, as a warlock, you're gonna need charisma," and then you come in with like an eight for charisma, 
you, you did that to yourself. That's yeah, that's it, not it's, that's, it's, that's it's, not a that's not poor design. That's you. Yeah, you you missed an important key stat mm -hmm. uh, in your class's entry. It says it right there. You know. Yeah. It, they it, they say, hey, if you're gonna make this class, you should have this as your highest well, there, stat. There's as a even, recommendation under the right class, in the player's handbook. Well, under the class, there's even a quick rules where it just says, okay, yeah. this is what you assign for your stats. Take this background. Take this. Good, you go. Done. Yeah. Pick the pick this leather over the cloth. Yep. You know, here's a dagger. Done. Get Easy out peasy. there and serve your patron. And oh, and I guess to that, you know, that point, character creation is very simple too. It is. Which is very nice because we have friends that do not like character creation uh! at all. It is just like for them that is the worst thing ever. I love, love Dan, but you have to hold his hand. Yeah, he loves playing the games. He is fantastic at role playing. He. I haven't found a character creation system to date that he likes. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Um, God, what did we play that he... Uh, I think he... When we did Stars Without Number, he remembers saying... I remember him saying... I, I took a mental note of it. Right. I think it was Stars Without Number. He's like, wow, I actually kind of liked that character creation. Okay, well, we found one then. We found one. I we, mean, got, we got one on the books. Uh, bear in mind that this is a dude that I've been gaming with for two decades or you, more, two and a half him, decades. It's a really long time. You were a child. Yeah. So that's like a hundred years been ago. Best friend since third grade. So I mean, I <laughs> basically when I started playing games, he started playing games and I, yeah, have yet to find a character creation. I used to make his characters for him in Shadowrun. You did. And He'd just give me a concept that I'd run the numbers myself because I, it was easier. It's, it's like, uh, he doesn't, he, he's just, he's just lazy. Well, he's there. He's there to play. He's, he's not there, there to play. He's not there to do math. He's not there to do homework, which sometimes mm. I ask of you people. Yep. Uh, so the last couple things I have as big notes is that many things are streamlined compared to older editions, and then Five uh, E's strengths it gives the GM a lot of the caveat. It's uh, it, the, you rely on the GM for many final rules decisions. Mm -hmm. So what do you what don't you like about Five E? What don't I like about Five E? I I think. Part of that simplicity is a thing that I don't like. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it, it, I mean, the simplicity is great when you want the simplicity, but when you can make ten different rogues, for example, and they're all going to be pretty close to the same... Mechanically. When, mechanically yeah. when things shake out. The exception maybe would be like Arcane Trickster, who's going to have some, some spells to him. But I mean, the third caster. Yeah, but I mean, like when you're talking about the, the difference in variance between races and classes... And subclasses, you know, most most of your classes are going to come out pretty close to the same with just a few little tweaks. Whereas a lot of the other systems, Pathfinder included, even though it's a it's a system that you choose a race and you choose a class and you choose a subclass, the way that it's designed kind of forces you into making a number of decisions that is going to really widen that net of what characters can look like no matter how. Like you could have, you know five different rogues in a party and they'd all come out very different with very different abilities oh yeah if you did the same thing in 5e you wouldn't get that it, nope. would, it would be very it would feel very cookie cutter everybody's kind of doing the same thing and it's uh it's important to note that while that is true they did succeed with 5e and making a game where you it's, it's hard to break the game yeah so that's that's a that's a positive note in in 5e's favor because you know, I've never played 3.5 or Pathfinder 1 or 3rd Edition, but in those systems, you could really create some just stupid characters. <laughs> I think uh, I think I remember hearing, uh, and it's still it's still possible to do in 5e, but it's it's really specific scenarios. It involves multi-classing a lot of the time, which mm -hmm. is technically an optional rule. It's yep. technically an option. As our feats, feats are technically an optional rule. 
Not that everybody everyone uses feats. Let's 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 get real. Who wouldn't? I mean, why wouldn't you? Uh, that, that, that's one of the few things that you can use to add a substantial amount of variety to a character five yeah. e. All right, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna run through my list of cons pretty quick here. Okay. The encounter building mechanics are a freaking joke. I don't know if you, so. You haven't run a whole lot of five e, and I'm gonna tell you well, right I now. Know, I know what you're talking about when you're talking about like the the CR. The, the challenge rating. Yeah, the, it's the, uh-huh. it's uh it's bull crap, dude. I, <laughs> I I kind of agree. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times, pretty much every encounter I build for, uh, and this is even before you guys had overpowered magic items and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about even like levels eight. Uh, you know, just at any point in the game past level five when you guys have multi attack, uh, a lot of the time I'll everything weighs on the. Uh, dangerous to deadly side, and I have I've run so many quote unquote deadly encounters and to have just, you guys just wipe the freaking floor just with them, plow right through. Yeah, and it's like sure you guys are having fun, but at some point I want you to feel the drama of tension. Like yeah, maybe was, something bad will actually happen to you. There's no threat of death here. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the time when for people, and I I know that there's people that are gonna listen to this. If you run five e, I know you've done this. You have adjusted monster hit points on the fly. You have given them more or less HP to balance the counter mid-combat, and that is technically a form of fudging. Would you agree? I was going to say, if you're a GM and you haven't had to fudge numbers during a game, you're, not, you're probably not doing it right. I mean, there's just... Because there's... there's You have to keep the game fun. You do have to keep and, the game fun. And players will get bored if the encounters you have if they say that they're a deadly encounter and they're just steamrolling everything anyway yeah eventually you're gonna have to to ratchet it up and if that means giving an, a monster an extra 25 hp on the fly above what they they had it on your sheet when you started that's what it's gonna need to be you know you need to do that to make it fun now if you're yeah. overpowering your monsters just to murder your players well that's the flip side of the coin yeah well that's don't the, be don't be that guy that's but, the troublemaker gm you hear nightmares about yeah but i mean sometimes they're in it for they're in it to win sometimes you need to make things just a little bit harder to keep the players interested yeah well that's that's definitely true in some systems mm-hmm. and especially in fifth edition, fifth edition, and especially in fifth edition, because you you guys have been in scenarios where Ulrich runs up with divine smite and crits because you can choose to divine smite after you have mm-hmm. rolled, right? Uh, and then he sees the number on the die and he's like, "I'm a divine smite," and he is now rolling like eight d eight on top of whatever he already had, and so the monster is just getting melted. And, and that said, paladins in fifth edition are designed around that burst damage but it's just so unpredictable well it doesn't help that he's two levels ahead of all the rest of us because you let him that play with is, the deck of many things that did not i'm talking about even before <laughs> the deck of many things uh for those who for those for those who don't know um i'm gonna i'm gonna look right at producer man the deck of many things is a magic item classic in D that you introduce in your campaign if you have stopped giving a crap or you just want to sow chaos because it is a tarot deck that you draw from and amazing things or terrible things can happen to your players, including just dying on the spot or getting their wishes granted. Or just getting an extra 50,000 XP. Yes, getting an extra 50 grand of XP. I think at the, the current level in 5th edition, uh, the 50 grand difference means he's only like a level and a half of, ahead of you guys now. Well, I, I think, I was going to say, I think I did the math on it at one point and I was like, we will catch up to within one level of him before, before <laughs> yeah. we reach 20 but he's still going to have one level up on us. Yep, no matter what. Mm. All right, so uh, another con of 5e. Few meaningful choices. You get your ancestry, your race, your, mm. your well, ancestry, background, class, and subclass. 
I mean, that's just a complicated way of saying what I said when I said that all your characters come out pretty cookie cutter, yep. no matter how you shake them. You, you choose <laughs> those four things, and then after that, there are a few minor choices. Um, if your GM is allowing feats, you can replace your uh, ability score improvements, mm-hmm. the things you need to have higher numbers. If you want to be stronger, you got to use your ASI for that. Or you can take a feat. But you ha- you can't you can't get both. You have to choose one or the other. Yeah. If you're even allowed feats in your game, so you've got you've got ancestry, background, class, and subclass. Beyond that, you're just choosing how to assign your ability score improvements. So which most classes get what four, five of them, I think. Uh, yeah. Fighters unless you're, get unless two unless more. Unless you're a fighter, they get a fighters get of two them. more, <laughs> and then rogues get one more. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fifth edition, and so you choose. Other than that, you're choosing spells, and you're choosing how to assign your ASI. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's not a lot to it. Everything else is just baked into those if, choices, if, and you're done with those by third level. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to play a D and D character over the long term, that you want to feel like you have at least a little agency and control over them, you'll pick a caster because at least then every spell, every level, you have a new spell that you get to pick from from an enormous list. You can get a kind of a wideish variety of what you're doing with a caster just based on the fact that you're picking spells. But if you pick like a martial class or even like a third caster or something like that, you're mostly playing a, a pretty cookie cutter gig after about level three. Oh yeah. Uh, and next one, lack of fleshed out subsystems, even as optional choices mean, meaning that uh, one must rely on GM's homebrew or a third party. For example, I don't know how familiar you are with like magic item prices in 5e. I mean, I pay what you tell me to pay, but I mostly yeah. just find them in dungeons. There's there's four, there's like, you, there's price ranges based on the rarity of the item. So like if, a, if, a, if an item is considered very rare, it can cost anywhere between X and Y, which is a huge gap of price. And also there's a huge wide variety of usefulness was, in that array. I was going to say, that, that huge array. That by design just seems like a bad choice because sometimes unco- an uncommon magical item is going to be super duper duper useful. Yeah. And there might be like a legendary magical item or whatever the top tier is for magical items. Yeah. That it it might be super duper rare and hard to get a hold of, but it's a usage is so situational yeah. that it's for example almost useless. For example, there's a legendary ring in 5th edition where I think it just lets you cast on invis- invisibility unlimitedly. Mm-hmm. But if you're fighting a fighting a someone who can see invisibility, then your the point is moot. Yeah. Uh, and so actually and in, in the end there I had found a homebrew, I think it was on drive-thru RPG, some guy had done some work to assign prices to every single item in 5th edition's official magic item library. He did the work, and he based it on a bunch of different factors, like, the items are priced more on their usefulness and less on their rarity. Well, and they, so that's, and in the end, be. that's what we were using, is this guy, this guy had a homebrew document, I think I got it off a drive-thru, and that's what we were using, so your, your boots of flying cost 500 gold, because he said so, not because wizards did. Yeah. Uh, because boots of flying are super useful. I would rather they have done that work, uh, and it's, it's the same with, like, stronghold building rules mm-hmm. or vehicle rules it's like they have some of these optional systems in there but they're like half a page maybe a mm-hmm. page or two it just doesn't feel like they gave them as much attention as i would have liked well that's why i would have rather had a fleshed out system and as the gm had the option to change it or throw it out the window than have it not be there well, at that's all. i mean that's why you got matt colville's yeah, exactly. Thing, that's that's why that strongholds really and flesh, followers really did so well because everyone wanted thing. a fleshed mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Well, wasn't that the rules you used when Aaron built his little army before our entire group collapsed in on itself and he ended up in captivity? Correct. We were yeah. use, we were starting to use some of the strongholds and follower rules. Yeah, had a fortress which, and a freaking army. Yeah. Had past <laughs> tense. 
<laughs> uh, let's see. Next thing. Oh, um, so some of the, like you said, double-edged sword. So I said before that some of the pros are many things are streamlined and it relies on the GM for final rules decisions. These are my final two cons as well. Many things are streamlined and many things rely on the GM for final rules decisions. Uh, you said that 5e is very easy for the players, but it's not necessarily easy for the GM, in my opinion. As okay. someone, uh, as someone you, who's you've been GM'd it more it, than I do have, yeah. so you would know. It, it made it easy for you guys because I was putting in the work mm-hmm. to make it uh, easier. You know, I did a, I did a lot of work on the side um, to balance things. Uh, I had to do, you know, if I didn't have a system in place... Like, for instance, the stronghold, stronghold building rules are not already in 5e. I had to, you know, either do it myself or buy and read through and understand an entirely separate rule set. You know, Strongholds and Followers, no, I didn't write it. Matt Colville and his team, his team did, and they did a bang-up job. But you know what? I had to read through it and understand mm-hmm. it so that when you asked me, how do I do this, I had to know it. And yeah, that's, that's, that's very fair. I mean, it's... 5e puts... A lot of it asks a lot of the GM yeah. to make the game run smoothly, and, 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 including you know balancing encounters on the fly. Mm-hmm. If you, I feel I felt like I had to balance encounters on the fly to keep the drama. And I and I do agree with that. And I guess I can't speak for the other GMs, you know, in the audience or, or you, but like that's for, my personal experience. Well, yeah, no, no, my... and I I agree with it. But like at least for the reading part of it, I've probably read my Deadlands books probably every one of them twice. Yeah. And I think you probably do the same thing when you get your books. You jump into those because you really have this hunger for knowledge that's I, in there. You yes. do want to spend the time reading them. Oh, so, yeah. So I, I think I that... wish I could give some of it to Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that hunger that hunger to read? Yeah. So, uh, Pathfinder next? Yes. Tell me what you like about Pathfinder, especially okay. compared to Fifth Edition. Okay. The first and most important thing about Pathfinder that makes it awesome. Pathfinder 2. Yes, pa- make, let's be specific. When Pathfinder, I say Pathfinder, I'm not talking about first edition. I've never played it. The current edition and, of Pathfinder. Yeah, the current edition of Pathfinder. Favorite thing, the three-action system. It's golden. It's golden. It's so easy. It's so simple. There's no primary actions, no bonus actions. You do have reactions. Yep. But you're like on your turn, you have three actions. You can spend them how you like. S- yep. Some, some ab- abilities and stuff use more than one action some don't but you always know and and once the people that are playing it understand what they're capable of god it makes combat so fast oh yeah yeah we we start to fly yep in 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 5e combat a lot of it was uh don't get me wrong having access to like path builder i think uh, oh that helps that helps a lot the ability to look up rules at the click of a button definitely Mm -hmm. also helps um because the, the, the it's like oh someone says they want to shove well tell me how that works they yeah. can just read it right off yep. and then do it's, it uh, it's it uh, technology helps <laughs> technology helps a lot I but, also think that uh, combat goes faster because there's uh, there's, what, there's no opposed rules that's true everything yeah. is designed to basically be one, one roll resolution and yep. then damage which is very helpful the other thing I like about it and you're, you're going to notice a pattern of the inverse of what I didn't like about D&D to what I like here. Yeah. Your characters, despite the fact that it is, you know, you got your race and your ancestry and you got your class and your subclass, it still allows you to make legitimately unique characters. Because, you know, every so many levels you're going to get another feat, another skill feat, uh, you know, it's either be a skill feat or a general feat or a class feat or whatever. But you have this list of them to choose from, and 
you know, as your character develops, you're going to see them differentiating off from characters of the same class as you, depending on what you're doing. My rogue, for example, he has um, his goblin weapon ancestry because he uses his dog slicers as a weapon, which is a choice that I made that a lot of rogues wouldn't make. And if you don't make a goblin, you don't even have the option of doing that. Yes. With, with GM's discretion, if you <laughs> well, there's there's GM's discretion, but there's a there's a uh, there's a I can't remember if it's a human ancestry feat or a general feat where you can basically be like an orphan from another yeah, culture. But yeah, but I mean, barring yeah. that, and generally speaking, yep. if you're not a goblin, you're not swinging dog slicers. Not a level one. No. Um, and then you have, uh, like when you get into your class feats and stuff like that. Like I I, I wanted to do a wield, so I took Twin Faint yeah. as one of my class feats. You know, throughout that, and and. And a completely different rogue could be built differently. Not only that, but I mean, when you're talking about when you're talking about rogue subclasses, um, the thief rogue they they get a lot more benefit from dexterity than the other ones that also have to consider their strength as a part of their damage, which changes the entire build of your character. Yeah, I mean, Bog is relatively weak physically. Oh yeah, he's he running so, straight ten across the board on his strength. And for those that are familiar with D and D five e, um, finesse weapons and Pathfinder two, you don't. At- you don't attach your strength modifier to the damage you do. You only use you use your dex for accuracy, but your damage is still based off strength. Thief Rogue in Pathfinder 2 is the only situation in the game based where your dex is also your damage, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that's why you picked it. That, oh, that's exactly why I picked it, so yeah. I could punt strength. Or you could... But he was a thief. In Bog's defense, he was designed as a thief, but, but the actual Thief Rogue... But in Pathfinder, you could dump dex play strength and play a thug rogue yeah the because they get medium armor mm-hmm. and they can just focus on strength and that's don't don't need nearly as much dex they're more like the so, guy that beats you up and takes your wallet as opposed to the thief rogue which he walks by you and then your wallet just so disappears. We, we could make a party of four or five rogues and they might all they turn out to be slight very well based on the fact of ancestry feats exist mm-hmm. skill feats and class feats and subclass you're gonna you're gonna end up with different characters it just it just gives you a lot of variety even within the confines of the same class i agree i agree it, it definitely well i'm not going to say that 5e doesn't give you at least a little but i think pathfinder does a much better job mm-hmm. of it you get more uh, variety so i'm going to ask you this to kind of sum up that situation where you're talking about these meaningful decisions do you think it is more fun to level up in pathfinder too i do yeah and that's because of the choices right yeah but- but I, I also you get think, a feat at every level. Yeah, but I, I also think your mileage may vary. I think people that don't like character creation are less predisposed to liking a system where every level requires you to make some actual decisions. That's true. Pathfinder Two is a little crunchier. Character mm-hmm. creation is. I, I feel like in Pathfinder Two, character creation is almost a constant in mm-hmm. the sense that every level you're going to have to pick two or three separate things. That's true. Every time that you level up. So it's you're always building your character in Pathfinder, which I like that. But I think some people, decision paralysis gets the better of them, where in a, a situation like that, 5e, once you get a level up, they're just going to tell you what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, big, it's a big difference. You know, you Ooh. hit level 5 and 5e, and you're like, well, if you're a caster, cool, now I have third level spells. Mm-hmm. If you are a... Uh, if you're a martial class, all right, now I can attack twice yep. per action. <laughs> Pretty much. In Pathfinder, level five is where you get uh, your ability boost improvement, where you mm-hmm. get to pick four different stats to raise yep. up. It's like, a, and then, uh, it's, it's like a big ASI. Yeah, it's a big ASI. Big ASI. It's a, it's a beefy ASI. And, and you don't have to choose between the ASI and the feats. You get them both. That's right. 
Yeah, you get you just that that's a big part of it. I I think that's something that uh, wizards should revise in their upcoming version for Dungeons and Dragons due for twenty twenty four is having the ability to get feats in addition to. And mm. I, I, I kinda think that they will because I have noticed that they seem to take good ideas that other people are doing they, and trying they, to incorporate They can't them. be seeing how loved Pathfinder 2 is and not thinking about right. incorporating some of those ideas. I agree. So, the, the, you know, my, if, especially if those ideas are available to you, you might, mm. why not take the best ideas other people are having and try and work it in somehow? Exactly. Um, so what else? Uh, Pathfinder, uh, it's, I like... Well, let's, we could talk about the balance, which is a double-edged sword in its own way, because depending on the flavor you're going for, Pathfinder 2 is very tight with its math mm-hmm. and yeah. numbers. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, it, I personally feel that it is easier to prepare for. I don't have to, the encounter system, I feel like it works. And I'm actually going to, right here as we're recording this, go on record, uh, I have been inspired by some recent readings. I have to confess that I have once or twice fudged dice to usually to save your guys lives mm-hmm. uh fudged dice to save your life in combat or i fudged enemy health to create tension uh and i hereby swear that as long as we run pathfinder 2 that i am going to stop fudging really yep i See, i because the system works i can build a deadly encounter and it's going to be deadly if i build a moderate mm-hmm. encounter you guys are going to have mean, a moderate experience yeah. and and you know we're playing a game that has dice. If I'm going to change the outcome of the dice, why am I rolling it in the first place? That's you... true. Yeah, I mean, I, I do see validity in that. We should definitely do an episode where we talk about the validity of fudging dice yeah. and the necessity for it. We just don't want to talk about that today. No, that, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we could do a whole segment on that. So. Uh, so, I, so what are some other things you like about Pathfinder so far? I mean, those are my big top two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think I think the balance is one of the things that I do I do tend to like about it. And counted to your your note about the math being as tight as it is, I think that's part of the reason that they put in the optional um, what is it the the archetype the oh oh you're talking about the class like class archetypes yeah the, oh the free archetype, the free archetype. There we go. Oh, yeah yeah like if you want to play a more overpowered hero campaign then you throw free archetype in there because that's going to give your characters a whole lot of free options and powers and abilities mm-hmm. throughout their development. And but if here's you want... the thing, it doesn't raise your HP nope. and it doesn't raise your accuracy usually. And it's, uh, it's usually just a, uh, a thing where you can get more options, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, so let's, uh, it's something that is, it's just, I just, that's just another part of Pathfinder 2. There's all these options that you can use if you want, or you can throw them out the window yeah. if you don't want them, right? And they do. They, it is very modular, especially with some of the stuff they put in the splat books later. All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the cons of Pathfinder 2e. Why don't you start? You're as because you've never run it. You're a player. What is your biggest con in the system? I honestly only have one major complaint about the Pathfinder system, and that is persistent damage and it's not the it's not the existence of persistent damage it's not how persistent damage works it's kind of how it works i mean (laughs) okay it is part of how it works it is how it affects you in a dying state it's the most brutal mechanic yeah i mean the thing is if you are getting killed by something that does persistent damage once you get downed you're it feels like you're just kind of dumb 
Yeah, you're because you're, because you're, you're basically losing death saves just from the every tick that happens. Your di- yeah, your dying condition is getting increased mm-hmm. towards that counter of four. I think that is just a really rough rough way to do death. And I think that it encourages the team to really band together and save your god dang life. It's fair. <laughs> so, but no, I, I can see why, because uh, you're playing Bog, which is a second iteration of Bog, and what did Bog die to the first time in uh, Age of Ashes? Plague Wolves, who infected him with whatever, and the persistent damage killed him while he was laying on the ground. Yeah, and it's... It, wh- it may be partially the fault of the healer that didn't bother to heal me when that was going oh, on, too. But That's part of it. Pathfinder 2E is a more tactical system, and someone wasn't playing tactically. But that said, uh, that's, that's actually kind of one of the... The cons of Pathfinder 2 are also its strengths. It's like I said before, it's it's what your group is looking for. It's a more tactical game with tight numbers. I would say that people say, "Oh, it's it's more complex." It is, but don't let that scare you away because it's not complex enough that there are, the tools that are out there can't help you get through it. Like you feel like you've learned it now, right? Yeah, oh yeah. It's you, it's a good system. I've learned it. And I think there's better technological tools to help you with that. Oh yeah, like Path Builder is just incredible. Path Builder, it was I, worth like getting the full version is worth every penny. If you are going to play Pathfinder Two, get the Path Builder app. It'll help walk you through character creation. I still think there's something to be said about reading through the book and really digesting the information. But I I buy all my books physical copies. So and, and you've had enough players to know some people aren't going to read the books no matter how much you ask them to. That is correct. <laughs> so for the players that aren't going to do it, get these uh, little assistances. Do you? have do you have any other cons for pathfinder 2 you haven't really you haven't played much of a spellcaster i guess i guess maybe maybe on a small level and i i I feel like i need to dive more into casters before i make this assessment but kind of my initial assessment is that the casters are different in a way that is very jarring if you're used to 5e casters Mm -hmm. because they honestly lean more toward utility than they do damage Correct. So if you're trying to make a blaster caster, I guess it's a lot. You can do it, but it's it's still not. You're not going to do as much damage as the barbarian or the fighter. No, you're not going to, and do not expect it to come out like a five e wizard. No, you're not going to be wrecking shop like that. It's it's more of control, and it really feeds more into the tactical base system, especially at lower levels. Yeah, yeah, because you can still you still get wish Mm -hmm. at higher level. Let's be real, the higher level spells still come a little unhinged as they always do. But there's in general things are more balanced and a lot of people that want to play a spellcaster want don't want to feel balanced no, they, they want to feel, feel like a god yeah essentially you want to wield magic mm-hmm. and summon comets man i get it so, but in in pathfinder the it's dialed back a little bit mm-hmm. 5e started the the progression of uh, trying to make you know marshals are linear and casters are exponential and they tried to dial that back and pathfinder did a better job of doing that that's fair so, so for some people that's a con because they want to just be a god and you yeah, can't really I mean, so, so what, are, what are your cons um oof um well nothing pathfinder's perfect good night <laughs> <laughs> uh, i will say that uh it is more complex so for the player facing uh, side if you have players that are unwilling to really read the rules and digest them it does ask you to know the mechanics even better than 5e. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have had to do... A, it, it's, it has to do with a lot of the player-facing stuff. I have had to know other people's mechanics and classes almost a little bit better. But now... So I, I would say that the wall is bigger to, to get over the first hurdle. But once people have learned their stuff, it's easier to run. 
Okay. So there's there's a little bit more of an ask in the beginning, but once everyone understands what's going on, we truck through turns. We do. It's really nice how fast those turns can go. Yeah, and um, there are options to, you know, if you're used to 5e's bounded accuracy where your proficiency doesn't go up your third level, there is an optional rule for that in this system. I did not know that. Yes, it's in the Game Master's Guide where you can remove level from your proficiency and hmm. so that you still have a more 5e similar numbered experience. Okay. But uh, yeah, I would say that the cons come from uh and this this is this is for both systems is hp uh it's it's uh it's a, it's once more another system i li- i like it uh and the problem is just the type of game i want to run uh it's i like to run games or I, I like to run gritty games and hp systems are it's just, hard to be gritty with it's HP. hard to be gritty because you're 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 either alive or you're dead hp is binary, <laughs> very, very binary you're, you're either up and at full fighting strength or you're mm. or you're on the verge of death mm-hmm. but otherwise uh i have i don't see myself going back to 5e I will gladly look at the new edition uh, when it comes, the new version or edition, whatever they're calling it, when it comes out in 2024. But other than that, I think we're going to finish our old 5e story in Pathfinder 2. Uh, for those of you at home, uh, I don't know, maybe you maybe you think I'm full of crap. Uh, feel free to tell me. I'd actually love to hear more people's opinions. Maybe you agree with us, but you can uh, you can reach out to us uh, if you want to at the GM Speakeasy. It's uh, I believe the actual is the actual email address is GM Speakeasy official at gmail.com. And uh, in the YouTube comments. Yeah, yeah, and oh yes, come to the YouTube comments and let us know what you think if you were listening to us on YouTube. Uh, it's time for last call here at the GM Speakeasy, but if you want more of us, you can find us on recordbuttongroup.com along with other shows produced by the Record Button, uh, of which I voiced uh, Super Mutant in the uh, the Fallout drama podcast. So if you haven't heard that, that's a lot of fun. I didn't get invited to voice anybody there. Well, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was hoarding it for myself. Yeah, uh, you can find the Record Button on Facebook and Twitter, where you can also find updates and news. Share us with your friends. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate and review. Maybe drop a comment, too. Until next time, I'm Cody. And I'm Lance. And this has been the Game Master Speakeasy. Please get home safe.